0: on March 28th at 7 p.m. In the Rupe Hall Auditorium, where she'll read from a selection of her works, Rupe Hall is on the Rockhurst University campus at 1100 Rockhurst Road, KCMO. For more information on these and many other events in our area,
1: go to kkfi.org slash artskcgo. This is Phil Donahue, and you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. Support for KKFI by City Year Kansas City. As an education equity nonprofit, City Year works inside Kansas City Public Schools, supporting students emotionally and academically so that they can thrive inside and outside of the classroom. To learn more about City
2: Year's service and open positions, visit cityyear.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions
1: of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers.
3: It is appealing, everything the traffic will allow. No way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow. There's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. Yesterday, they told you you would not go far. That night, you open, and there you are. Next day, on your dressing room, they Go on with the show. The costumes, the scenery, the makeup, the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down, the headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops, the sheriff who escorts you out of town, the opening when your heart beats like a drum. Closing when the customers don't come There's no business like show no business Like no business I know You get word before the show has started That your favorite uncle died at dawn And top of that, your father might have parted You're, part you're broken hearted Even with a turkey that you know
4: Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the KKFI Arts Magazine Show. I am Michael Hoag, your host. Glad to have you with us on this, oh, rather chilly Monday. Woke up and it was in the 20s. Oh, my. (laughs) As you listen here to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station in Kansas City. Cold weather, warm weather, basketball tournaments, uh, award ceremonies, The theater world marches on and on and on, and we're going to talk about uh, a show that's opening this Friday out in Olathe. The Olathe Civic Theater Association is presenting their production of Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. She says, is is there just the three plays that she's written? uh, ten Little Indians is one, The Mousetrap is two, this one is three, is, is there a fourth one out there anywhere? Tim Brazelton, I, I tend to talk to people <laughs> without introducing them, Tim Brazelton is with us. He is the director of Agatha Christie's
1: Murder on the Orient Express. Yes, so actually this one she did not write as a play, it was a novel oh, originally. Wow. And the Agatha Christie foundation or estate, estate, probably the estate. Uh, approached Ken Ludwig uh, to write this version which seemed an unconventional choice really when you think that he is known mostly for his comedies Um, but and there there's a healthy dose of comedy in this production but I think he still does capture sort of the the mystery and the the humanity of a lot of these characters because it is a very complex sort of plot and they're lot of backstories that you get to dive into oh
4: sure christie had a very interesting way of writing and it seemed to be this way at least in all the plays of hers that i've seen and and the books i've read Mm -hmm. i've read most of the books too she she gathers the suspects all together at the end and reveals who the actual murderer is (laughs) classic trope
1: she defined that genre
4: for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah and was very successful in it and and later on i'm going to point out i told charlotte earlier uh, she even did that in her personal life, believe yes. it or not. <laughs> we'll, hear, we'll hear all about that uh, later on. Uh, Charlotte Gil, uh, Gilman is with us as well. She is the marketing director for Olathe. Uh, but, but you've acted as well before you did the marketing.
5: Sure. I, I've been around um, trying to do all the things. I've done a couple shows at Okta. Um, I have assistant directed at Okta. And I will actually be finally directing at Okta um, the very next show after murder closes. So. And which
4: one will that be?
5: It is a farce entitled, Is He Dead? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Sounds like a, another comedy a mystery. It's, it's
5: another, oh, it's, it's a whole bunch of things. It is tried and true French farce, uh, originally written by Mark Twain. So it's going to have some very intelligent dry humor. Um, and then David Ives adapted it for the stage, so it has a lot of physical humor in it as well. Oh,
4: Twain had mm-hmm. had a sharp wit, didn't he? Oh, he, he did.
5: <laughs> like sharp cheddar.
4: I'm sure that will show in, in the presentation uh, when so. it comes. I think oh, so. Oh, yes. he. From what I've read, a lot of people didn't really like him personally <laughs> they thought he was a brilliant writer but th- they didn't care for him personally
5: <laughs> he was he was salty he had some salty moments for sure but uh, i think that's just reflective in his in his dry wit in his very intellectual way that he wrote things and the way that he would you know insult you was very um elevated
4: <laughs> sure sure yeah i i was born in uh in quince illinois Mm -hmm. 20 miles from hannibal so all the mark twain things you can visit i've been there many times
5: yeah Mm -hmm.
4: stories about him still goes around sure things like that but i should get back to agatha christie on that uh do you want to tell us a little bit and people have seen the movies but there might be a difference between the motion picture versions and there's been several and the presentation that you'll be doing starting on uh Friday, the 17th, this week at the uh, Olathe Theatre. What, what, what would you like to say about this particular version?
1: It, yeah, it, so it does. Uh, it does differ a little bit. I mean, it would have to. Otherwise, there'd be no point to see it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he has uh, Ken Ludwig has uh, pulled some characters out. It is a smaller cast. Um, he does add some elements that were not in the original story. It is unmistakably murder on the Orient Express. I mean, it is. I mean, it's got Agatha Christie all over it. But uh, there are a handful of plot twists that don't detract from that but do keep it interesting. I don't want to give away any spoilers because then you wouldn't want to come see it.
5: Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's like how do you talk about a murder mystery show? without giving anything away.
1: Exactly. I can tell it. you I mean, the butler did not do it. Right, right. <laughs> it's also
5: not a musical, so there's that. Yeah,
1: which is unfamiliar territory for me as well. Um, I'm typically a music director, um, and this is the first straight play that I have directed.
4: I should have asked you about your background as well. Do oh, so you want to work that in there? Where have you all I, worked? Uh,
1: the last several years I've been working mostly in, uh, I guess you'd call it semi-professional theater uh, as music director um i've done uh, this last summer i did sweeney todd with paget productions may or may not have won a, a, a broadwayworld.com award off that one for what that's worth mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the um so doing that kind of thing uh mostly as music director but in uh gosh during Lockdowns. You remember those? Yes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Nope. uh, I became, uh, because, you know, there was nothing else to do. So I I learned to cook and really enjoyed that and then learned to love Agatha Christie. Those are my two takeaways from Lockdowns. Um, I saw the, I think it was 1974 film. uh, The one
4: where uh, Ingrid Bergman won a supporting actress. Yeah. uh,
1: Fantastic performance. Uh, All-star cast. Albert Finney was... uh, Hercule Poirot, mm-hmm. um, gorgeous costumes, gorgeous scenery and sets. Um, but then after I kind of came away from that, what really stuck with me was the stories of these people and these sort of, uh, the horrific events that sort of all brought them together. Um, so then of course, you know, the, the, um, Kenneth Branagh version came out, uh, in 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, I just loved their stories. I loved these very real sort of people. Um, so I then read the book, um, and then I I kept thinking, there's got to be a way to do this on stage. Has somebody done it? So of course I do my research, and sure enough, there is one by Ludwig that had just come out. Um, and I started looking for a venue to sort to you know a way to present that because it was haunting me. I just couldn't shake it. And, you know, like anything, like any song that's stuck in your head, you can't get it out of your head until you finish the song. Isn't that true? So, <laughs> so um, I, then I saw that Okta was accepting submissions for directors. Um, and I pulled uh, and I looked and I saw that the rights were available. So I applied. And here I am doing the thing that you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's That's difficult for a director, I think, because...
4: There's so many characters, she has to have a lot of suspects. And yeah, this is one where she does as well.
1: Yeah, so many suspects. Um, Thankfully, Ken Ludwig did sort of pare down the the cast list just a little bit. Um, But but I think he still keeps the heart in it. Each one of them has such a a rich sort of background. If you're willing to do the work as an actor or a director, um, even the smaller characters have Have very rich backgrounds. They're only sort of implied in the script, but when you really dig into them, they can be fascinating. From the the little lady who who says she's worked in Africa with babies, um, you know, and here she's going to America to try and raise funds so she can go back to Africa to work with babies, um, to the guy whose uh, whose dad brought the charges against who turned out to be wrongfully accused. Um, you know, and what happened to that family when it, you know, all came out that the woman was not, you know, guilty. And so, when you really dig into those stories, they are fascinating, and they are all heartbreaking. And the the richness, the complexity of that is the thing that I really wanted to, to focus on. And that's hard to do when you're going to some place like I, I don't know Shawnee Mission Theater in the Park. You know, when you've got a thousand people out there in the audience, and you're sitting, you know, a quarter of a mile away from the stage. Um, Okta is very intimate, and so I thought it would be a great way to get the the drama and the emotion right in the audience's face. And so uh, that's why I picked Okta, because it was you know such an easy, uh, it just seemed a no-brainer. Sure. Yeah.
4: Sure. Now, the Orient Express, for those who don't know, is a train. It, it begins and ends, well, it starts in Europe, it ends somewhere in Asia. You probably know the details.
1: Um, that is correct. I believe the, the actual route has uh, changed, you know, little by little over the years. Uh, but it is a train that is still running. I mean, obviously, the, I, I doubt that there's an original part left on the train. I'm sure they've upgraded. But um, but yeah, it, it does still run. Um, and, uh, and it is very elegant and always has been. Um, I mean, obviously, train travel isn't such a big deal now as it was and even less popular in the last few weeks headlines but Mm. um the uh but traveling by train was a luxury it was elegant and you know and i think back in that era um the journey was a big part of your you know your vacation or whatever because you know train travel obviously not as quick as a jet so uh you know, the way you traveled was a much bigger deal than it is now because we do everything so much quicker. Uh, But it was elegant. It was classy. And, you know, we, too, uh, my set designer, Andy Kling, uh, came out of retirement Mm -hmm. to do this set for me. I'm so excited. Um, And he's done a beautiful job making the train cars look very elegant. And I mean, we've got, we've got gorgeous wood paneling and And all kinds of things. I hate to give away the the (laughs) secrets, but you know, um, because it's all fake, but it looks beautiful. And he's done a gorgeous job simulating what, you know, it could have looked like.
4: That's how the upper class traveled Mm -hmm. in the era in which she wrote. Uh, So you had a lot of people in close, confined spaces. why not have an unsolved murder right <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It's just perfect for her purposes. <laughs> she probably even traveled the Orient Express. I don't know if she did or not. She may have. But I wouldn't surprised be surprised me. if I heard that at all. Yeah, that's probably how she got some of her ideas. Well, well, it
1: was. She did get the, the inspiration for the plot uh, from the, um, it was heavily, uh, I want to say publicized. It wasn't publicized, but the. Uh, the lindbergh baby uh situation that's where she got the inspiration for the uh the plot I see and then setting it on the train I don't know if that was an earlier or later invention of hers but I mean it certainly works.
4: Well it certainly made it more glamorous to read. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, they were novels first for the most part uh, and this one was adapted into a play and he said he added more humor he dropped a few characters to make it uh, probably easier for the audience to follow. Yeah but
1: yeah it, it does it can get kind of complex when there's a lot of people to try and follow um, but so he's done he has pared it down nicely And I do think, you know, the way they've been cast and the way each of the cast members portrays their character does make them easy to keep track of which is which. Um, And the, you know, when you're stuck with a full evening of nothing but straight drama, uh, it can be a little tedious for today's audiences, the mentality today. Um, And so those nice little dollops of humor that he's thrown in, uh, quite tastefully even. they, I mean, I I think there are a handful of laugh out loud moments. Uh, Charlotte has sat with me in the last couple of rehearsals, and I have caught her giggling. If <laughs> it is, if it is to what they're doing on stage or my constant commentary under my breath, I can't tell you which. But I would
5: <laughs> say it, it's split. No, um, uh, you know, I I'm familiar with most of the actors, so or, or I've worked with them, and I, I've worked with Brian Larios a couple of times, and so I know. I know him, and I know how funny he is. Um, but then some of the actors are brand new to Okta, so it was—I I was genuinely intrigued by what they were doing on stage. And that's been pretty cool.
4: Now does Brian play Hercule Poirot? He does. <laughs> he, he <laughs> under- the bel-
1: Belgian detective. Everyone says yes. French, but it's
4: actually—he will correct them and say Belgian, at least in the
0: books. Yeah, no, that's that's correct. We
1: make that a it, it, Ken Ludwig, and then you know, uh, with our actors, we have made that. a It does recur. It does resurface. He gets accused of being French a couple of times. (laughs) And he does, uh, he never corrects them, but others do. And we've managed to make that a humorous element as well. Sure. But yes, Brian is our Hercule Poirot. um, And it, well, some pun intended, it is a bit of a Herculean effort to take on this role. The final scene, Mm. he's got like, Mm -hmm. we want to say four or five pages of him just talking Uh and it is a lot to memorize and I am thrilled with Brian and the work that he's done in this.
4: Do you want to talk about some of the other performers just to be fair now?
1: Oh, sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, you know, Brian is a lot, but he may not be enough for this particular episode. <laughs> um, no, we. Uh, so there are a handful of actors that are brand new to me as well. Some I've worked with before. Some, you know, it's been years, um, and then some brand new faces. The um, Ellie Deshawn is our Helen Hubbard. She's kind of a uh, a very crucial uh, part of the the story. Um, I had never worked with her uh, before. But she walked in and gave this audition where I thought, "Oh my gosh, there's my uh, what? Well, I'll say my diva." But yeah, you know, American those of you diva. who know the mm-hmm. story will will understand. Um, and her d- delivery of the character of Helen Hubbard in an almost caricature of what Europeans see as the stereotypical American is delightful. She she's got the comic timing down great her bravado and or bravada I don't know how well somebody you can get that in the edit <laughs> um, but uh, but I love watching her work and then when she does have her very raw um, moment where she is essentially bearing her soul mm-hmm. to the audience is heartbreaking I did catch two of the cast members after we worked that scene just a little bit, I did catch two of the cast members wiping away tears when she got done. I'm really excited about that. Any chance to make somebody cry is just, absolutely. You know. <laughs> 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 well, it depends on the circumstances. Yeah. yeah. But yes, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is
4: uh, a lot of suspects in this. So it can cut it down to how many?
1: Uh, it cut it down to nine. Okay. It's, it's still a lot. Yes. Yeah, it is <laughs> still a lot. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and and it is fun to watch all the different characters come together. I I'm still in in awe of Agatha Christie's work and putting these varied characters and finding a way to bring them all together. I I'm thrilled with the the concept and with what we're doing on stage. Yeah. From from what
4: I've read, they're all stereotypes of course. Of people she had in mind. Yeah. (laughs) So if if you were a friend of hers, you you have to wonder sometimes. (laughs) What did she think of that? You open this Friday, the 17th, 8 o'clock p.m. for, is it three? Three weekends. Three weekends, yeah. So Friday the 17th, 8. Saturday the 18th, also 8. A matinee on Sunday the 19th, 2 o'clock p.m. Then Then Friday the 24th, Saturday the 25th. Both eight o'clock performance curtains and the 26th at two o'clock p.m. And then we're going to switch months here. <laughs> March 31st, eight, Saturday, April 1st. Good luck on that, by the way. <laughs> Eight o'clock p.m. and then closes on Sunday, April the second at two o'clock p.m. All at the Olathe. What are you calling it now?
5: Olathe Civic Theater Association. See, it was
4: formerly called the Buddy Rogers yes, Theater.
5: Yes, it was. We still have a really beautiful stained glass piece on our front door that says the Buddy Rogers Family Playhouse, uh, but I guess in the in the community we we say Okta. Um, or Olathe Civic Theater Association.
4: Yeah, Buddy Rogers, b- born in Olathe. Yes, yes. They uh, actually was in the first, and it was a silent. It mm-hmm. was that long ago. Mm-hmm. The first. Uh, with the awards being last night, the first uh, <laughs> movie to win an Academy Award. That's right. Was Wings, yep. and Buddy Rogers was in it. He later married Mary Pickford, America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think he was the third husband, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> <He> does. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he was honored. He came, actually, to the theater one time. I want to make he sure did. and work that in.
5: Yeah, I that, i mean, that was before my time um, at Okta, but uh, he did. He came, and um, we have a, a really cool uh painted, it's rather large, um, of Mary Pickford and Buddy Rogers in the theater, and then in the lobby we have a pair of his boots that he wore in the film, they're in a case, and a couple other Buddy Rogers um, pieces of, of history in our lobby that you can look at, and it's it's kind of unique. Um, I, I wish I had more personal experience with that part of Octus history. But it's it's definitely unique. And when I tell people about it, it they, the bells kind of go off and the light bulb goes off and they're making connections about it. You wouldn't think that this church that used to be a church building um, in Olathe, in a residential area of Olathe, where the neighbors have chickens would <laughs> would have this history. <laughs>
4: the, some actual boots that he wore in wings, or mm-hmm. he just wore in wings in the film. In the film, no, that's uh, something to have.
5: I think so. Yeah. yeah,
4: it sure is. It's a part of history, even though uh, boy, that movie came out in the late nineteen twenties.
5: I think nineteen twenty-three. I want to say. So we're talking a oh.
4: hundred years ago mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but but the show. Uh, Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express opens this Friday the 17th.
1: Are you ready? Uh, we are almost there. We will definitely be ready before Friday.
4: Now you don't want people to give away. I had a director that had a problem with this once. We did uh, The Mousetrap*. Mm. She actually took away the last seven pages out of everyone's script. I, I told this last week to somebody. I. I think it was off the air. She actually took away the last seven pages because she thought that people would uh, uh, change their character once they knew who the actual murderer was. Hmm. So, and. We didn't get them until, like, two weeks before opening. It it was a unique experience for some of the performers. I,
1: I, I have not taken that route with my cast. I don't think they would have allowed me to had I attempted that. Can you
5: imagine <laughs> Brian's last seven pages is just monologues? <laughs> oh,
1: gosh, yeah. Did you ever find out who did it? Oh, the, yeah. Uh, just checking. In yeah. case okay, she forgot to give him back. I no, she, she didn't. But,
4: oh, people argued with her about it. Yeah, but she was sure that this was the right way to approach it. And uh, it wasn't like today where you have the Internet and you could easily cheat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in those days, you could still, I suppose, go to the library and check, check out the sure. book. But uh, that wouldn't have been fair, I thought. But, but there are different techniques to do this. Having everyone play the character, not overplay the character. Of course, you probably are concerned about that.
1: The trick with this one is everybody is sort of leading a double life in this show. Um, so sorry for spoiler alerts, but there you go. <laughs> um, the uh, Everybody does have a story to tell, and it isn't necessarily the truth. And so... Yeah, we we tried to be cognizant of that fact with delivery, um, especially in the earlier scenes, because it's all an act at that point. But then it does kind of crumble as the as the story goes on and and Poirot is able to to figure things out for himself. Um, So it wasn't so hard to get that uh, to come across. I did. I did host a cast party before we started rehearsals, and uh, almost everybody came. I had two guys that were out of town. Um, and so we watched the 1974 film version together and ate pizza, and it was a way to kind of get to know you. Um, and we had a great time. This cast gets along beautifully, I think, and I, I love watching the friendships that develop. But. Um, it was kind of fun to see who knew the story already and who didn't. Uh, um, I don't think in this particular situation it's it's a problem for them to know in advance who done it. <laughs> sure,
4: <laughs> sure. The show opens as I said this Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Olathe Theater's been around a long time. How many years do you know?
5: Oh gosh, six over sixty years.
4: Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, do you have a regular schedule for the show? You already <laughs> said that you were
5: directing the next production. I am. That's that's going to be a bit crazy. We're going to strike murder on the Orient Express, and then I'm immediately moving in. So <laughs> that'll be a fun day. Um, yes. Yeah, so Is He Dead is coming up, and then we end our season with the musical Man of No Importance. And that is a musical that is rarely done for some reason. I think the, the music is gorgeous, and... Um, Austin Skibby is our director for that musical. He is also making his directorial debut. Is it directorial or directorial? Yes. Great. <laughs> so he's directing um, for the first time at Okta this beautiful musical.
4: The Olathe Civic Theater Association is located at 500 East Lula. It's, as I recall, a block south of one of the main drags that goes through Olathe.
5: Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And that street
4: would be. It's, it's
5: really just off the highway. Okay. Um, so yeah, Lula would Lula. be the street. Okay.
4: That you turn on.
1: It's oh. just off the the street you're thinking of. I think is uh, is that Santa Fe or Santa 135th? Fe. Santa Fe. Okay. Yeah, yes. that's the one.
4: so you can get off of I-35 no matter which direction you come from. Pretty much on Santa Fe and go west. Yes. Okay. And one block as I recall, it's one block mm-hmm. south of uh, Santa Fe. That's about is, right. Is yeah. Lula. So mm-hmm. as you you know, if you're getting to the 500 block of Santa Fe,
1: yep. the, the Olathe
4: <laughs> Civic Theater Association is just south of there.
1: If you pass strips, turn left. You'll be fine. Oh. Okay.
4: <laughs> Good sure. chicken. Uh, the website is Olathe, olath Theater, with an R-E in theater, OlatheTheater.org, and the box office number, This I showed you this earlier, this was right, mm-hmm. 913-782-2990, to make your arrangements to see uh, one of the Agatha Christie classics. So it comes directly from her book, uh, Murder. Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. It opens this uh this Friday and runs for three weekends at the uh, former Buddy Rogers Theater, mm-hmm. now the Olathe <laughs> Civic Theater in Olathe. And it's worth it to go because I've, I've seen pictures of uh, Buddy Rogers when he was there and you say, well, that, that was a hundred years ago. But still, it's part of history. Absolutely. Uh, the, he was born in Olathe and he vi- actually visited and spoke uh, at the theater. So that makes it all the more exciting. I think, yeah. Uh, he was the, I, I think, the third husband of uh, uh, <laughs> Mary Pickford, America's sweetheart at the time. Well, apparently not everybody's sweetheart. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he lived in the mansion until she became deceased. And then uh, I believe I've read an article. So he, he moved after that, but yeah. uh, did a lot of traveling, I guess. When you were a star in silent movies, that's... You know, uh, once the talkies, and there's been stories written about this, uh, but uh, w- once It was different. A lot of the actors didn't succeed from mm-hmm. silent movies to talkies. He was in some after that, but uh, but Buddy Rogers, of course, the buddy, the former Buddy Buddy Rogers Theater. But the show is called Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. I want to thank my guests for being with us to tell us all about it. Tim Brazelton, he is the director. He's uh, usually a music director, you mm-hmm. said, for, yeah. for various places like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you act- sung in shows yourself? It's been a few years, but yeah, I so I'm still an active member of the Kansas City Symphony Chorus, but okay. that's about all the singing that I do anymore. <laughs> okay,
4: congratulations! Uh, good luck with the show. And Charlie Gilman, anything
5: else that uh, you would like to say? So, uh, one thing that's a bit new for this particular show is that um, patrons can now choose their seats, everyone can oh. reserve their seats now. So, if you go to our website and then uh, use on the stage, uh, which is a link you click on our website then you can actually pick your seats for the show.
4: Okay. Thank you very much both of, of you course. for being with us. OlethaTheater.org Olathe- is the website and the phone number to call if you like to make your reservations that way <laughs> 913-782-2990. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank We're going to take our us. brief break. Then when we return I have scheduled anyway to talk uh, talk about independent films and hopefully they will call when we return. You're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Freeze Frame!
2: Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame, KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters and streaming. At one point in the absurd slasher sequel Scream 6, a stabbing victim says, Blank this franchise. I agree. While it delivers the tongue-in-cheek chills that fans of these movies go for, it doesn't add anything new except the location, New York City. Courtney Cox is back dodging knives for the sixth time, and Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega are here for their second go-round. There are only so many twists that can be taken before a plot ultimately breaks. Fans, though, will make sure that Scream 6 slices up the box office, although this slasher formula has become very tired. Woody Harrelson and a likable cast add a lot to the dated but upbeat comedy *Champions*. Harrelson plays a disgraced basketball coach who serves some mandated community service time by coaching a team of kids with mental challenges. He learned some valuable life lessons along the way. Director Bobby Farrelly of *Dumb and Dumber* fame tries his hand at creating an inspirational sports movie with modest results. *Champions* is featherweight and predictable but it's still a breezy, feel-good flick. The Quiet Girl is one of the films nominated for this year's Best International Feature Oscar. This Irish-language drama marks an impressive debut for filmmaker Colin Berrade. Set in rural Ireland in the early 1980s, it follows a shy nine-year-old named Kate, beautifully played by young Carrie Crowley, who is neglected by her parents. She's sent to spend the summer with her mother's cousin who runs a dairy farm. Thanks to its realistic and heartfelt treatment, what could have been cloying and sentimental is instead profoundly moving. The Quiet Girl is a cinematic gem. Well, that's it for this edition of Freeze Frame. Until next time, I'm Russ Simmons with Fox 4 and KKFI-FM. Tuesday, March 14, 6 to 630 p.m. Radioactive magazine interviews Columbia University Professor Matthew Connolly about his new book, The Declassification Engine. He says that U.S national security is actually threatened by excessive secrecy. A lot of secret intelligence is not actually secret and what is secret is often not intelligent. Here Connolly on radioactive magazine March 14, 6 to 6:30 6 p.m.
4: Hi, this is Mark Manning for local and new releases in a mix of all genre for interviews with artists, musicians and writers for freeform radio that plays with themes,
2: questions and events. Tune in to Wednesday Midday Medley Wednesdays from 10 to noon right here on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community
4: Radio. The Wednesday Midday Medley, medley as, as Mark Manning just said, is on uh, Wednesdays at 10 o'clock a.m. right here on KKFI. He also has a lot of guests from the theater community on his show as well. Uh, welcome back to the Arts Magazine show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. I'm Michael Hogue, your host, my guest from the Shard Bodies Pictures. (laughs) Yes, there is a production company. Uh, uh, Have not yet called. So I have asked, and they very graciously agreed to stay, Tim Brazelton, uh, director of... of the show uh, Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express and Charlotte Gilman, the marketing manager for the Olathe Civic Theater Association. Thank you for staying on for a while here. Delighted. I was going. Had we had time, I would have asked you about, uh, and we now do mm-hmm. ab- about costuming. What era yeah. is this show set in? the The costumes in the movies are are wonderful. What did What were you able to do for the stage?
1: Well, it's 1934, um, which is true to both film versions. Um, the and and I'll. Be absolutely upfront. the uh, The costuming in both films um, was stunning. I thought it was gorgeous. I loved it. Uh, I do love a good costume drama. Um, and so, when looking for a costumer, um, I my mind turned to Jessica Michael, a friend of mine. Uh, I've seen a lot of her work. I've worked with her before. Um, she has a her own company called The Glass Sequin. Um, and she does costuming um she's absolutely delightful to work with which is another <laughs> big reason i thought of her but um she came in she took measurements and then a couple weeks later showed up with just these gorgeous options and i one of the you know when we're all kids well when most of us are kids we love to play dress up and that you know that part of it that part of play acting as a kid is what takes us to another world whatever world we're playing at um and the same is true for adults as actors i mean the characters that suddenly appear they were always in there and your actors may be doing beautiful work um but the they when they get their costumes on suddenly that missing element is there and it's thriving and watching these gorgeous ladies mm. come across in these exquisite costumes and the the beautiful uh, characters that come out of them. Okay. I mean, when I watch uh, Tracy come out as, uh, Tracy Fox, an actress I've worked with several times, mm-hmm. come out as the, the Princess Dragomirov. She is a an, uh, an middle-aged a uh, lady who is in exile from Russia. She's running from the Bolsheviks, and she comes out suddenly, dressed to the nines in in her black, of course. Mm-hmm. And she just looks exquisite. The same is true for Ellie Deshaun coming on and this gorgeous hat that she has with big feathers well, on it. The
5: hats, the the hair, the wigs are just like the hair pieces. It, mm-hmm. it just it completes it. Mm-hmm. The, it's stunning to look at, especially with the lighting. You know, sometimes for a play. The, the lighting can maybe take a back backseat, uh, no pun intended, backseat train, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, but Chuck Klein has layered in these, these beautiful moments of lighting to go from inside the, the intimate train to outside showing, you know, it, it snows and uh, you really get a sense of where we are, where these characters are and um, all the pieces come together and it really makes the whole piece stand out. That's uh, why I
1: understand. Oh, go go. Yeah, go no, ahead. it po- it pops out. I I don't know if it's a thing that he's consciously done or made a decision, but when when the ladies walk out and they have these sparkly jewels on, it's just the right amount of light to where I'm going. Oh, that's nice, and, <laughs> and yet not so much that I'm going. Can I wear my sunglasses? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there, there's we've got tricks that uh, that Chuck has uh, helped chuck klein uh which fun fact he and i were in high school together but we've started to reconnect over this which is really delightful i love that oh yeah it's fun but we were friends then too so you know it's consistent but (laughs) but um we've got you know clever tricks that when you know one of the the windows is open in the train compartment the curtain is actually blowing when the wind is open because i mean why if you can why not right so <laughs> he's been able to make that happen for us the the lighting choices that he's made is they're gorgeous um and he's not afraid to try things which i love mm-hmm. as a director mm-hmm. uh, that's been a little del- del- his as well as to the it it like it. Yeah. she
4: writes of a near, well n- not in all her plays but in 1934 that riding the oregon express was a very elegant thing to do only the upper crust absolutely uh, could ride it, could afford to ride it, and uh, uh, of course the clothes would have to match all that, and yeah. you, as best you can. Uh, and I, my hats off to your
1: costumer, able to come
4: up with costumes of that era of such an elegant nature.
1: And Glass sequin has done a beautiful job for us.
4: Yeah, I'll bet so. Yeah, and you've been friends with her for a long time. Uh,
1: not a long time. I've known her. Um, we. I think we first met in a show right before the pandemic, okay, and uh, and we've just sort of stayed in touch, and you know I've thoroughly enjoyed working with her, Um, and then of course Chuck I mentioned you know being friends with him for a a long time. Some of these actors I've got one actor that I worked with. the last and first time was over ten years ago at a fringe festival show. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, um, and we we've stayed in. <clears throat> excuse me, we've stayed in touch. We stayed friends, and um, and she showed up to audition, and I was like, Oh yes, I remember you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thankfully, I didn't have to make a, the hard call and not cast a friend. Certainly. <laughs> certainly. At least not in that case. Mm, sure, I well, did a couple other times. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, thank you both of you for staying over. Yeah, uh, of course. Their show is uh, Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express opens this Friday and runs for three weekends mm-hmm. at the Olathe Civic Theater Association in Olathe. Uh, on the web, it's Olatha theater.org can make arrangements that way or you can call their the old way the telephone box (laughs) office 913-782-2990 nice to have you both with us thank Thank you you always nice to learn about what's going on in Olathe it's it's a long ways from from where I live but uh (laughs) it's a fine building as well and historic
5: it's about 150 years old
4: yeah Yeah. thanks so much thank you thank you I have
5: Nick Young on the line right now
4: and uh Nick, are you with me? Yes, I am. Nice to have you on the show as well.
0: Well, nice to be here.
4: Yeah, okay. <laughs> nice to have you. We're going to talk about the show Friend of the World. I I saw online a uh oh, a trailer. Is would that be called a trailer that I saw? You you were quite yeah. a forceful mean man in that scene.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> <that's>
4: <laughs> tell that's me what about I tell for. me about that. <laughs> That... Uh, well,
0: they called me up, and when they originally approached me for the audition, they said they wanted somebody uh, across between Beetlejuice and uh, General Ripper from Doctor Strange Love, and I said, "Well, that's not much of a stretch, is it?" <laughs> and they, you know. So, anyways, <laughs> we just we just had a lot of fun. It was it, when they gave me the part. I said, "This is going to be a blast."
4: So I, I lo- was looking well he played a mean looking man I will say that but it looked like you were probably having fun with it as well
0: Oh I have I had a ball it was fun to work with Brian and everything and it was, it, and everybody on the show it was just fantastic and Alex my co-star and it, we just had a lot of a lot of good times
4: Okay yeah. the the name of uh, Nick Young's uh, film again in which he's uh, plays a major role uh, friend of the World. Do you want to talk about the basic storyline? But I also want to get into uh, where it has been seen, film festival-wise. It is, is it open uh, and available for people to see online? Uh, things of that nature. But, but start about the story of Friend of the World.
0: The story is an eccentric general who locks himself in a bunker. And kind of he kind of destroys the world and he figures he's got it all figured out. And all of a sudden this young filmmaker comes in and she kind of upsets his world. Um, she sneaks in through a, a back door and that begins a journey for both of them. And it's, uh, it's a journey, um, of growth for both of them. But, uh, yeah, it's a it's one thing I love about Front of the World is that it really allows the audience to decide what the story is about.
4: So it's kind because of a, Oh, I'm first sorry. Time,
0: first time first time I watched it I went I don't know what this is about. <laughs> but I really but the more I watch it my, uh, it becomes hauntingly addictive because the the film work is so good and it's just it's a story that keeps you keep
4: finding things in
0: and I, I love that and I love to hear people tell me what they what they see in it
4: everyone perceives something like that differently so I, I imagine that probably does happen to you they probably tell you things that they saw there that you didn't conceive of but if they interpreted it that way that's on a certain level, at least, that's the way you were coming across. Am I correct?
0: That's the beauty of uh, yeah. any acting to me is that the discoveries keep coming. You know, you can read the script and you can find everything that you can find and then it comes time to do it and you do it. But as you're doing it and you're working with somebody else, you're finding more. And then when you see it, it's even more.
4: Now, if I understood you right, in a post uh, apocalyptic, that's a hard word for me to say. <laughs> me too. That's why I said <laughs> <laughs> An opposed- apocalyptic world. It's a sci-fi film. And then from what I read, body horror was also uh, mentioned at the end of it. How does that fit into this? St- what is body horror, <laughs> Nick? <laughs> what, what do you, think, what, what does the writer-director mean by that?
0: Body horror. You know, I'm still wondering about that myself, body <laughs> horror. You know, it's got that's got some gory stuff in it, but not that bad. It's not like anything really horrible. I've read that a couple times, and I don't know what body horror is. Ah, okay. And I do dance with corpses in a scene. Ah, well. that was funny.
4: <laughs> that yeah, would, that would was kind of funny. That would qualify, I would think. Yeah, it
0: was, we did that, and uh, Brian looks at me, the director, Brian, he looks at me, and he goes, that was just—that's just outrageous. That's horrible. I go, you wrote it because you ever didn't expect it to turn out like that, and I said, well, that's why you hired me.
4: Yeah, well, that's uh, thats the the actor's interpretation being part of oh, that, it, of course. Uh, yeah, br- the Brian Dan is talking about is Brian Patrick Butler. He is the writer, director, and uh, often a, a performer in the shows, but uh, from what I saw on the trailer, you you are the uh, main guy in this one.
0: It's, uh, yes, and then Alexandra Slade, uh, the two of us, and then there's Michael Burgess. There's pretty much about three people in the show that have lines.
2: But
0: uh, mostly it's a, a uh, a lot of people have uh, compared it to being a play because it's very dialogue heavy. And it goes back before, uh, between Alexandra and I.
4: Sure. It, it is a production of, I hate to even attempt the pronunciation, Chary Bodies Pictures, C-H-A-R-Y-B-D-I-S Pictures. And just add .com on there if you want to go to their website. <laughs> if you want to go to their website right now and see Dan's picture, he's on there. We know what he looks like. <laughs> and, yeah,
0: Dan, Dan. Dan's fun. Yeah. yeah, everybody on this film is fun to work with. It was just really cool to get to work with. Um, I was doing a stage show, and one of my friends came to see someone of his friends, and then he called Brian and said, hey, you're looking for this guy. He's here. And that's how I ended up working on this film. Now, I really enjoyed it.
4: Oh, it. it like I said earlier, it, it looked like, you were playing a tough character. but Very tough. But it, looked very like, tough. <laughs> but it looked like you were also enjoying it as well. And this is hard to explain, I, but you'll see if you look
1: at it.
0: I also, I also kind of, when I watch it, I see a protective uh, character. He's very tough, but he wants to make her tough because it is the end of the world and he wants her to survive. So it's kind of a, you know, I have two daughters and it's like a father-daughter thing. You know, uh-huh. where other people see other things, and to me, it's like you're just trying to make her tough to survive because she's not tough enough, and he knows she's not going to make it. Yeah, well, but yeah, he's a tough son of a bitch. But anyways, yeah, I'm sorry about that. No, no, <laughs> that,
4: that, that wasn't wasn't bad enough to get the seven second delay. <laughs> so yeah, you're doing fine. But it's called Friends of the World, and you can you can oh, go to the. Wait them. a second, no,
0: it's friend.
4: Friend. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. Friend of the world. Friend. So, and you can go to the website I just mentioned, and I'll mention it again to, to see the okay, trailer we're, we're and all on, that.
0: We're on Amazon and we're on iTunes, Apple. I see. Uh, yeah. Troma. We're on uh, Tubi for free, uh, Zumo. Um, yeah.
4: Do you, do you prefer stage work to doing film work? I know there's a difference. Uh, you're on stage, you have the audience, and you have a, an audience reaction. To kind of help you along uh, In a film It's you and the camera And your gratification So to speak Is kind of waiting for You'd have to go in the theater And watch uh, and watch the audience Actually seeing the film For the very first time So I assume that From the actor's perspective That doing the stage work Is probably much easier
0: Oh I don't think it's easier But I love it
4: Um what kind of I've done no no go ahead go ahead i talk <laughs> I talk a lot, Nick I think <laughs> uh what kind of roles did did you enjoy doing the most that, that got you noticed and put in this film
0: uh this one was Water Lords by Tori Rice, but um I've worked a lot here in San Diego, I've been doing theater for ever. And then my dad talked me into getting on the fire department, so I got on the fire department, and I couldn't do theater, so I got into film. Uh So I've been doing, you know, it's just been a long ride, doing a lot of things. Um, We recently, uh, I'm working at Onstage Theater in Chula Vista now. Uh, They're doing a lot of cutting-edge theater, new plays. Uh, They call it Theater Worth Talking About. And uh, we did the other place recently, uh, we did a Christmas show, which was um, really, really good. It's just so many uh, other things we've done over there. And I did rest, uh, which was I played a 90-year-old senile man. Um, so that was fun. Um, but, yeah, we're just I'm doing a lot of shows down here.
4: Well, good. That, that's great. And, and thank you for your service as a firefighter uh, as well. I know how difficult. Well, I didn't that expect be. to be
0: there. Well, thank you, but I didn't expect to be there that long. I kind of waited for Hollywood to be calling. They Don't call. <laughs> well, that happens, <laughs> doesn't change. it? The Phoenix and Tucson were very big in film, and so that allowed me to uh, do a lot of film work while I was on the fire department because I couldn't do theater anymore.
4: Well, I'd like but, to ask uh, you if you're able to answer all these questions. If you're not, just tell me so. Is it Chari Bodies? C H A R Y B D I S pictures am I even coming close to saying that the way uh, uh I think you are Okay. <laughs> you okay. Talk to Dan <laughs> about that one. <laughs> well he yes uh, <laughs> a friend of the world is one of them. I I I found two other films connected to that title. One was zach King's Day Off it was called. And the other was called Fruitful Mold which is uh uh out now or about to be out now, something to that effect. Yes. Yeah.
0: And also, we have um, we have Hemet coming up this year too. I've got three pictures coming out. Uh, Touch just came out at the Oceanside International Film Festival, and it won uh, Audience Choice in the Berlin Film Festival. That's with my friend Justin Bergquist. Um, I'm also doing I uh, Break for Caterpillars, but Hemet is with Brian again.
4: Do you so, like wearing with the Mr. Butler? Brian Patrick Butler is his name.
0: He's, he's amazingly talented. I, I, that's the only way I can put it.
4: One quote I found online, he was referred to as San Diego Steven Spielberg. I yeah,
0: you know I can see that with uh, what they're referring to. I believe is Spielberg's uh, movie, The Duel.
4: Oh, I see. Uh-huh.
0: Dennis Weaver, and that's how it started out because uh, he made that little film on uh, a budget, and Dennis Weaver starred in it, and it was something that put him over the top. And I can see that with Brian. I can really he he's amazingly talented. I love having him as a director. It's He's a great actor, too. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a very talented director and writer. And uh, If you watch the film, you'll see what kind of writing he does. And one thing I want to say is when you do watch the film, if you do, uh, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there that he wrote in. That's another way it makes it more interesting for me to watch all the time. I'm going, oh, I missed that.
4: Easter how eggs? Did I
0: miss, how did I miss that?
4: Easter eggs. Yeah. How mm-hmm. does that... Is that symbolic of something in the storyline?
2: Sure. It yes.
4: is? Okay. All right.
0: Yeah, he, he wrote them in, and it was kind of like I saw some of them when we were filming, but when you watch it, and then the camera work on this film is unbelievable. Ray Gallardo, uh, he was the cameraman. It's black and white, and it's just fantastic.
4: I noticed that in the trailer. The, the whole movie is in black and white, and. The, well,
0: there is no, the color scene in the oh, beginning okay. I the leaving at the end.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, I was going to ask if that was uh, uh, symbolic. I know when I see director, when I see interviews with directors of the, say the 40s and 50s, they will often say it was in black and white for a reason, and, and they will explain yeah. the reason for you know the the light and the dark. Uh, directors are very clever in that way. Doing that, so I was wondering if that perhaps played a part in friend friend of the world.
0: Yes, it does. As far as being apocalyptic, yes, you know that's the thing. You know, black and white is an art in to itself. Uh-huh. The filming of it is is an art. The lighting, um, it's it's an amazing thing when you want to do it and to have that effect you're using for it. Yeah. But yes, because because it's the end of the world kind of a uh, film, black and white. It's appropriate when the happy parts are going on. It's color.
4: Ah, yeah, that's th- that would be very appropriate. Yes, very much. Once again, let's tell the audience where these films can be seen. You named uh, off a m- number of places. I'd like you to do that again for us here for the people that are listening.
0: Okay, so you can catch it on Amazon, uh, Apple TV. Itunes, uh, Zumo, uh, Tubi, Plex, and
4: Troma. Okay. And they need to uh, look for the title, Friend of the World. Yes. And yes. It's,
0: it's, Somebody looked up Friends of the World the other night and, and called me up and said, I can't find this film. Oh. <laughs> it's, like it's Friend. Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> friend of the World. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, the website, once again, c-h-a-r-y. B D I S Pictures. So Chari Bodies, I guess. <laughs> C H A <got> C H A R Y B D I S <laughs> Pictures dot com, and you can learn all about Nick the picture, uh, some of the other pictures that the company has made, and uh, oh, where they've been. You mentioned a film festival. I think that was on there as well.
0: But thanks so much. Oceanside for, International. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
4: Thanks so much for Oceanside International, and that's a film festival. Yes. Uh, in yeah. the San Diego area, probably? Correct. Okay. Hey, thank you very much, uh, Nick, for calling in. Nick Young, actor, probably be seeing him in more things. And uh, uh, he spends his time when he's not acting as a, uh, as a firefighter, You know, help, helping us all out in our times of distress and need. I know several firefighters, and I know their stories as well. Thanks so much for being with us, Nick.
0: All right, thank you. Thank I appreciate it. Oh, I, I'm doing.
4: Thank you for calling in, Nick. Nick, Young. and the charged, uh, charged bodies uh, pictures production of friend of the world. The jazz insider is coming up next. He has some great jazz music to uh, to uh, send our way this afternoon. In true KKFI tradition, we have jazz from one to three. We have the blues from three to six, right here. On your community radio station, ninety point one FM, KKFI, excuse me, Kansas City's community radio. So until next we meet, ladies and gentlemen, at that cross in the road, I'm Michael Hogue. We'll see you next time.